I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... The impetus to start this, really, when people say, why did you start it? I started it on Pure Rage, and I think it's important that people know that. It's a powerful, powerful fuel. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. Today's show is motivational, inspirational, and full of crap. It's Corinne Cannon. She's the executive director and founder of the Greater D.C. Diaper Bank. Yep, the Diaper Bank. Guess what they hand out to families in need of diapers? Guess how many they did this past year? 10 million diapers. That's a lot of poop. But here's the thing. You realize I can make fun of it, but in fact, the families that need diapers from situations and channels like this often need stuff besides diapers. So what DC Diaper Bank has done has expanded their capacity, expanded the products they offer, expanded their service to families, including something called the monthly, which is for women on their period. These are the types of services through channel partners and not-for-profits that they work with. These are the things that families in the DC area and Maryland, Virginia need. And it's just incredible to hear from this person who started it 13 years ago, how she has built with her colleagues this service that provides diapers to families that need it. This is an important conversation that you're about to hear. First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. So, Corinne, 13 years ago you, you started it? 13 years ago. My son was born in 2009. Jack. 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 Yes. I have a Jack, too. You have so a Jack. All, yes. All, John called Jack. Is yes, John? I have the same thing. There you go. Yes. So. Um, so he was born, and we were ecstatic to have him, and we were also very ill-prepared to care for him. I mean, yes. I, I really go back and I think about those nights and I thought we wanted a baby. We thought we could do it. And we were able to keep him alive, but just barely some nights. Yeah. Um, and so we really started thinking what is happening to other families. So if you do not have the resources you need, if you do not have a partner, if you don't have family, what is going on um, in those households and what's happening to those mothers and those fathers and those babies? Um, so when Jack was born, after we got through the first hazy six months or so, I started looking around. And I started saying, how can we help? And who, who needs help, right? Um, I am a liberal arts girl to the core. So I did some research. Well, and you went to Trinity I did. here in Washington, Washington, D.C. I did. D. I'd go Tigers. I definitely did. There you go. Um, but I started doing some research and I said, who, who is helping moms? Who is helping babies? And I must have sounded like an absolutely crazy person because I would call. I'd have a screaming six-month-old in the background, and I'd say, I want to help moms and babies, and they would think, you know, help You're yourself first, right? Like, to have that baby stop crying. Um, but what I learned blew me out of the water. Um, I learned that families needed diapers. I learned that they were not covered by WIC. They were not covered by Not covered stamps. by what? Um, women, infants, and children, um, or food stamps. They were um, no federal programs that supported this, and families needed them, and funders wouldn't support this, this need. Hmm. So... Uh, when Jack was about a year old. That, that um, seems so, if I could just break it, that please. seems so odd to me mm. because it is literally universal. Universal. As a product used, be it yes. fabric or disposable. Yeah. So here's the thing, and I've thought, so, I've, I've thought about this for so long, and you think, well, why don't people care about babies? And it's not that, right? Yeah. It's that they don't know. If you don't have a little person in your life, why would you think about diapers? If you don't have a period, why would you think about tampons? Right. Right? Um, and then once you get out of those diapering years, you're out. Right. You know, you don't want to think about it. It's over. So I think a lot of what we're trying to do is let people know it's a need 
and, and figure out how they can get involved and how they can help. But, but the impetus to start this, really, when people say, why did you start it? I started it on Pure Rage. And I think it's important that people know that. It's a good fuel. It yeah. is. It's a, it's, a, it's a powerful, powerful fuel. Um, and I was so angry that when I talked to these organizations, they needed formula. They needed diapers. Like, these are the bare basics. This is the, the, the floor upon which everything else needs to be built. And there wasn't an understanding. How did you learn or know about yeah. literally founding a not-for-profit and getting it started, mm. office space, funding... How'd you start the so engine? So the internet is amazing. It's amazing. Um, isn't it's, it? <laughs> it's got everything in it. The internet and rage yeah. and, uh, and combined. Combined. Well, oh. By the way, some would argue rage is the internet. So <laughs> right? today, um, putting them together. You know, I think one of the things when you are passionate about something is you don't know what not to ask. Yeah. So I literally talked to anyone who would talk to me. I called organizations that had just started five or ten years ago. I talked to organizations in our city and other places and said, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. Well, let me be honest here. What I said was, this needs to be done. This needs to be done. This needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And after doing a lot of research, I realized that I had the capacity to do it. I knew how to do it. And I needed to be the person to do it. Um, so we actually incorporated on Jack's first birthday. Um, we, uh, we ran around DCRA together. DCRA is no more, I know. But back in the day, we ran around DCRA together and filled out all I the I don't forms. know DCRA. Tell our, tell our listeners. Oh, so uh, the District Consumer Regulatory Affairs is there now two different things. All right. Um, but back in the day, it was all, all one. So we filled out all the paperwork, and we incorporated on his first birthday, and we've been going strong ever since. So um, funding. Yeah. Yeah. How difficult was it to start that engine, and kind of where are you today? Mm -hmm. What's the... If we yeah. looked up your, your 990, kind of what, what, what's the organization's profile? So I think one of the fascinating things about any social service work and the funding dynamic is that in the beginning, I went and sat down with a lot of funders. And I said, I want to do this. It needs to be done. Here's the model. Here's the business plan. And I was told, lovingly, but I was told, go do it with nothing. Show us you can do it with nothing, and then we will fund you. Which is an oxymoron. Um, last time I checked, it, it yeah. Is. Okay. Um, I was also working full time, so this is my eight p.m. to midnight job for wow. about two years. Um, when you are angry and scrappy, and you know it needs to be done, you do it. Mm -hmm. So our first budget was six thousand um, dollars. A princely was, sum. As a they princely say. sum. A princely sum. Um, my husband and I scraped it together. We had some some family and friends who donated as well. That got us our five hundred one c three. That got us some initial software that we needed. It got us up and running. Our budget this coming year will be just over $3.2 million. Wow. Um, and we will serve 32,000 families. Jeezy peasy. That's a, a wonderful, wonderful yeah. track. Yeah. And I don't mean to bypass the 13 years in between. No, right? no, I know. There's, I know. there's a, there's a, a lot of work. Slogging through the mud. There is. There's yeah. a lot of slog. And I think it's important that people know that, especially early on. Yeah. When people looked at me and said, this is not a good idea. This won't work. Um, we, in, in the social service industry, um, and it is an industry, right? Um, you, you really have, I think, a lot of money and dollars going toward the top of Maslow's hierarchy, mm -hmm. right? So job training and, and, and other things like that that are really at the top of that pyramid. What we really need to spend more time and energy on is the base. Mm -hmm. So food, shelter, security, medical, basic needs. Mm -hmm. um, I think what we do is we pair those. So we're working with organizations that help with that base, we help with that base, and they help at the top of that pyramid. But when we started, when we started, all of the money was at the top of that pyramid. Mm -hmm. There was very, very little. 
that was allocated or thought about when it came to basic needs. So we're going to talk partnerships in a second. Yeah. But let's tell our listeners once again here on what's working in Washington. That is the voice of Corinne Cannon. She is the executive director and founder of the Greater D.C. Diaper Bank. But the word diaper limits it to what you think you do, but you do a lot more than that. So let's let's go yeah. back to Jack's first birthday. Mm-hmm. You get started. But today, you're way more than just diapers. We are. We are. What else happens there? So we really want to provide everything a family needs to thrive. So that is basic needs like diapers, shampoo, toilet paper, period products, um, formula, right? But we also provide baby gear. So brand new car seats, pack and plays, cribs, baby carriers. Um, It really is the gamut. I always say if you have it in your house, the economically vulnerable families that we work with, need that product as well. So we want to be able to provide it. Kind of cars for kids model, if you know mm-hmm. that, hand me down. And, and just yeah. as, a, as a sidebar, which I'm sure you've heard this story a million mm-hmm. times, but I'll tell you anyway, because we're standing in front of mics, <laughs> is the used car seat arena. I always thought, what the heck? I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's some uh, consumer safety product mm-hmm. commission that's been paid off by the car seat manufacturers of America to say yeah. they're not safe after two years or whatever. Mm-hmm. These things are built like Sherman tanks yeah, last time I checked. they can hold a lot. They yeah. can hold a lot, and they seem to work forever. Am I wrong? Well, yes and no. Okay. So there are some training programs. I think Maryland used to have one. They shut it down during COVID, where you can get certified to really assess whether a car seat is safe or not. Really? Yeah. Here's the thing about it. And I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> Why am I surprised? Um, no, no. They go through um, extreme heat, right? So yeah. Washington summers. Yep. And then they go through extreme cold. And they may do that back and forth within a two-week period, ah. right? So what it does is it really weakens the plastic substantially. Look, at, um, this maybe, is great. I, would, I know. I you're know. learning something new. You're learning something new. So maybe two years is maybe a little aggressive on that, but they, the plastic does wear down. So I am now fully informed, and you're not a member of the Consumer Products. <laughs> I'm not. So, I'm not. But, but, things, but items like that, be yeah. it the, the, the pack and play and all that, mm-hmm. you, you guys have sort of the full gamut of what we a do. family— we do. In some ways, the diapers are probably a door opener for other needs the family yeah. have, but might, might be a little bit embarrassed to admit to. Yeah. You know, I always tell the, tell the story. We started something called The Monthly. Which the is what? Pro- the oh, Monthly. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is providing period products to families who need them. And we had a social worker come in, and we had them out in our warehouse, and we said, go ahead and take some. And the social worker was a young man. He said, oh, my families have never asked for that. And I said, you know what? Do me a favor. Take a dozen boxes. If you don't use them, if no one needs them, Right. Bring them back to us next month. He emailed us and he said they went in 30 minutes. Yeah, right? right. And part of that is because we're putting a lot on families who are already struggling and saying, tell us exactly what you need. Yeah. Rather than saying, if I need this, if my kids need this, if I would buy this for a friend, then our families need it as well. Mm-hmm. So we try to be very proactive and not go to the family and say, what do you need? I mean, we certainly survey our families and find out what they need. But we also try and be really compassionate and think about be beyond above and beyond what more can we provide well you say go so do you go to homes or do you have people busy your warehouse no or we do not above? yeah so our model is actually really interesting so we work very much like a large food bank so we have a network of social service partners government agencies we work with about 75 in dc maryland and virginia and what they do is their social workers come in and they shop in our warehouse um, our organizations get between 5,000 and 100,000 diapers a month from us. Mm. We are distributing about 850 to a million diapers every month. And then about wait, half. Wait, wait, Say that again. We are distributing 850,000 to a million diapers every month. That's a lot of poop. It's a lot of poop. Say. It is. Wow. It really is. Um, and they're, they're going out all over the region. And then um, social workers are coming in, then they're shopping in our baby pantry. They're getting exactly what families need. How do you vet 
a social worker's visit. Yeah. And do you, how do you make sure they're with, or maybe they do we have to show ID for one of the 75 partners? Are you expanding that list to 150? What, what's going to happen yeah. there? Yeah. So what we, we're always trying to grow. We're always trying to expand. I think it's, it's fascinating what has happened in the last two years with the pandemic. Yeah. Um, we started out pre-pandemic. We were distributing about 2 million diapers a year. Uh, we are now distributing about 10 million. And it's not that during the pandemic needs skyrocketed. They did, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But also people became aware of the services that were available, and we became aware of needs we had not known about. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we do is we go out to social service agencies in certain geographic areas. Um, we run on data. I mm-hmm. love it. I love it. I love it. Data-informed decision-making is my favorite thing in the world. And we run on data. So we see where there are holes in services, and we go there. We find organizations that we can work with, um, and then they apply, and we begin the process of becoming partners with them. That's the voice of Corinne Cannon. She's the executive director and founder of the Greater D.C. Diaper Bank. It ain't just diapers, but we're going to talk about what the services they provide and how COVID has impacted them after this. Every week on What's Working in Washington, we talk to power players about innovation in the federal government and how business in the region is keeping us competitive. If you are a D.C. insider and want to know what leaders in other industries are talking about, we give you that insight. So thanks for listening. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. We want perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. You can reach out through our website or through Twitter. Many of our guests have come to us from others who say, Hey, if your show's about people who are really getting things done in the region, you should really be talking to dot, dot, dot. And we love bringing those new voices to our audience. We look forward to hearing from you. in Washington. And guess what? We have a guest today that is truly an example of that. We're with Corinne Cannon. Corinne is the founder and executive director of the Greater D.C. Diaper Bank, an organization that is delivering diapers and a whole lot more through various channels to families in the DMV that need it. We were talking about partnerships and distribution mm-hmm. and all the kind of the the, uh, the mechanics of how sure. you get diapers, etc. So walk us through a specific example. So yeah. a, a partner comes mm-hmm. in and says, I represent the South. I'm in Anacostia. I'm in mm-hmm. rural. How, how far into Virginia do you go? Is the sidebar? We go pretty far. We okay, are out so in Prince William. I'm Richmond, or maybe a little between between Richmond mm-hmm. and here, or something like that. Yeah. They come in and say, "I have. I service 50 families," or and they just grab it off the shelf and and check it out. And you yeah. say, "Mazel tov, good luck." Or how, how do you track it? Yeah. So a lot of what we do is we are tracking the number of families that they provide diapers to, the number of babies, the zip code that those diapers go to. And Got we it. use those zip codes to look at census poverty data. Wow. And really see where we need to be and where we need to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, I could spend weeks on the census.gov website. I yeah. mean, it's really absolutely incredible. And what it what we found is that some sometimes where we need to be is not where there are social service agencies, mm-hmm. right? 
right? So you've got holes um, throughout our region. And we really try and find those locations and figure out how we can do it. It means our service delivery looks different different in different places. Mm-hmm. So in a more rural area, right, we are working with a lot more churches, mm-hmm. food pantries, right? In um, a more urban area, we are working with holistic case management organizations that do a range of different services. Poverty looks very, very different depending on if you are rural or urban or suburban. Do you service Baltimore at all? We do not. There's yeah. an incredible organization up there that called Share Baby that that does um, provide diapers. Glad to, to hear. My hometown, mm-hmm. uh, under a lot of duress, as yes. we all know, many major urban areas are, but Baltimore yeah. is having, having a rough time. So, But speaking of duress, part mm-hmm. of Baltimore's challenge has been their mayors have had a lot, a lot of problems yeah. over the years. Are you finding that from administration to administration in the cities, in the more urban areas that you're part mm-hmm. of, that you can have a more forgiving, supportive, or less forgiving and supportive <laughs> arena? I feel like I know, I know. I feel like I'm getting a PhD level understanding of what local government can do to hinder or build up a nonprofit sector nice. and support families in different ways. Yeah. So you know, and and we have pretty wildly different county governments close to each other. Exactly. Right. So yep. the county government in Montgomery County yep. is very different from the county government in Manassas. Yep. You know, um, and that is the reality. We we are working with 12 different jurisdictions mm-hmm. and they run in 12 different ways. Yeah. Um, I will not say that there's one that I love the most. Right. Oh, um, go ahead. They'll never. <laughs> Uh, but what I will say is sometimes the way the county is run does not align with the needs of families. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and we, we hit up against that very clearly um, in a lot of our government government work. So we'll get to your personal Genesis story, too, because yeah. there's some nice features there. But just sticking on this from county to county, have you found that they learn from you at all? I mean, have, have county executives mm-hmm. or staffers ever said, gee, I never knew this or that because of the way you distribute stuff? 100%. Great. 100%. And I think a lot of what we are doing is we are trying to find the open door that's going to let us in. Yeah. Once people understand what this does, and this is different from food. Yeah. It is, it, you know, it, it's funny. We actually work with an organization who is providing Target gift cards. Yeah. As an incentive for, for young mothers to make their prenatal visits. If a, if a woman makes all of her prenatal visits, the the health outcomes of that child have a much better chance of being high. Of course. Right? Yeah. Um, and they weren't working. The Target gift cards weren't working. And the, the social workers were like, we're giving away money. Like, yeah. what is going on? We started partnering with diapers, and women started coming to every single appointment and then referring friends. Wow. And they said to one of the moms, what is the difference here between diapers? And the mom said, you saw exactly what I needed, and you provided it. Yeah. A Target gift card is a, is a chore. Yeah. Right? You were putting me on a bus, and you were having me go somewhere, but you saw exactly what I needed, and you provided it. And that's what we want to do. We want to build trust with a medical home, a social service mm-hmm. home, someplace that a family can feel they are seen, and they are understood, and they are provided for, and then they can continue to go back there. Um, our social workers will often come to us and say, the families we work with are so grateful for these diapers. They want to thank you. Mm-hmm. And I always say, don't you dare have them thank us. They they are getting those diapers from you. Mm-hmm. They're getting those diapers from that partner organization. Yeah. Because we are augmenting the work of that partner organization. I'm way in the back. You don't need me. Right. This family never needs to know who I am. They need to know that when they need something, they can call their case manager. Well, that's a – so in the business world, they call that white labeling, right? Mm-hmm. That you're And and as you know, and, and I think that's a – I mean, just I'll toss this out as an opinion because yeah. that's why we're here. Yeah. I think that's the way to go. Clearly, that's it's working for you guys yeah. because why would you try and steal credit where 
where the relationship with that organization that your channel partner is what the relationship has to be. Exactly. Um, but are you building where, or do you have physical pla- warehouses around the DMV? No, we got one big one. We got 10,000 square feet in uh, Silver Spring, Maryland. Silver um, Spring, Maryland. Yeah, and we deliver diapers, and then diapers come, people come and get the diapers from us, depending on the size of the order. Uh, but it is, you know, we started out in 2,000 square feet, and we just keep on growing. Yeah, someday you'll have an Amazon warehouse mm-hmm. with, the, with the trucks. <laughs> so, uh, once again, we're talking with Corinne Cannon. Corinne is the executive director and founder of the Greater D.C. Diaper Bank. So, uh, I read an article in Washington Family about mm-hmm. the interview with you. Yeah. And the Genesis story was interesting, uh, uh, which my lovely family and my daughter had a similar experience with a colicky baby. And what is what does that mean to the initial experience? Now, your first yeah. child had some... I guess some colic, right? Or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, tell us about that challenge. Yeah. So um, Jack uh, nursed every three hours for the Ouch. first six months of his life. Yeah. Um, he cried almost constantly. Uh, we did not know why. Because um, you never do. You never do. You never do. And it was just really emotionally taxing. It was very, very difficult. And, you know, I, I think for me, having a baby opened up this empathy window. Mm-hmm. Of you know, sometimes you see something and you think, how how could that ever be? What's you know, what is that mother thinking? What is that father thinking? What's going on there? And then you have a baby, and you think you're just trying to get through the day, yeah, right. And we had a night with him, and he must have been four or five months old, and he had been crying for literally hours. And I remember being with him in his room and having an overwhelming urge to hurt him. Yeah, and it was um, you're it was far shocking. From alone. Yeah, it was it, it really. And, and here's the thing about this. Every parent gets there, mm-hmm. right? You're exhausted. You're frustrated. You don't know what to do. You feel alone. Um, we don't do a very good job of emotionally supporting parents. We don't do a very good job of supporting parents, period. But emotionally mm-hmm. in particular. I think we are a, a country that loves people having babies, and then we leave families alone to figure it out on their own. Yeah. Right? Good luck with that. Yeah. yeah Godspeed. Um, and so I remember putting him down very, very gently in his crib. I went and got my husband, and I said, he's yours. I can't do it anymore. And I lay in bed, and I cried. Mm-hmm. And what I thought about while I was there was, how are other people doing this? If I'm struggling with this, how are people who don't have somebody to go wake up? How are they doing? Mm-hmm. And also, what is going on, right? Like, mm-hmm. h- how am I struggling so hard with this? Um, I don't think we talk about this. Mm-hmm. And when I started talking about it at first, the looks I got from people were like, you wanted to hit your kid? And I was like, oh, we got to normalize this. Right? Right. We, we, right. <laughs> we got to make it okay for women to say what they're really feeling. And then I really started thinking, what is going on emotionally with the mother, right, if she's alone? Mm-hmm. Um, most of the women that we serve are single mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is happening to her emotionally? If she can't talk about how scared she is, she doesn't have what she needs. What is going on? I think people see our work and they think, oh, it's babies and it's precious and it's adorable. This is about the emotional mm-hmm. and mental health of the caregiver, yeah, yeah. which has a direct impact on the physical health of the baby and the family. My brother's a doctor, and he used to tell me that a lot of prenatal work and natal work, he said that there's studies that show that the sound of crying actually rewires your brain of yeah. the parent after a while. Yes. Oh, my God. And you can't help it. It literally <laughs> resets what's going on yeah. in your head. And also that the sound of your infant or a child crying has a sp- specific timbre, timbre, mm-hmm. whatever they, that can just penetrate in that we that, that we all know. Yeah. So you had a kind of a reset moment in this story that you told, but you also had a reset moment as an executive director recently. You took a mm-hmm. sabbatical. I did. So I did. why did you decide to do that? What yeah. happened? And has it been a refresh? 
It has. So I am coming up on 13 years of doing this work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this work. And I hope it comes through how passionate I am about what we are doing. But when you do something for that long, there's a real danger of burning out. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's also a real danger of just continuing to do things the way you have done them right. without questioning it. So I realized that I needed to kind of take a step back um, and, and really assess how I fit in the organization and really assess what the organization was able to do. So it was one of the most creative and wonderful four-month stretches of my life. Um, and the lead up to us getting the organization ready for me to leave for that time was also really beneficial. So you built some bench strength and the we people did. that ran it? Okay, We did. And we also really questioned, Corinne, why are you doing this task? Yeah. You've done it forever, but should you be doing it? Mm-hmm. Or why does this fit here and not here? And then on, on my coming back, we're doing that same thing. I'm kind of seeing the organization with fresh eyes. Why do we think we have to do it this way? We don't. We could mm-hmm. try it a different way. Have you seen organizations like you around mm-hmm. the, the nation that you've mimicked? Or have they yeah. mimicked from you? Are there best practices that maybe in your sabbatical you were able to pick from other mm-hmm. places? Yeah, so we are part of the National Diaper Bank Network. Um, there and you go. They are, they are all over the country. There's about 200 of them around, um, around the country. Um, I served on their board for about four years, um, and I actually just came back from their conference in Orlando uh, where we were able to connect with other organizations during this. We are one of the largest in the country. Got it. So uh, there's about six of us who are about this scale. Wow. Corinne Cannon, she's the executive director and founder of the Greater D.C. Diaper Bank. First, before we get to our final question as yeah. a guest, let me just tell you, this is uh, it's motivational and inspirational. Congratulations Thank to you. all of you and your colleagues for what you're doing, because I completely agree with everything you said mm-hmm. about not servicing and ignoring the kinds of needs that you take care of. And frankly, the embarrassment or the barrier that some people have for not knowing how to ask for this mm-hmm. stuff. And mm-hmm. then when they get one, they can get more stuff. So that's a fantastic yeah. pipeline. You're, 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 you're awesome. But we ask all of our guests a final question. Okay. And that is, if you, rule, if you ruled the world, yes. what would you start having happen that isn't happening now? Or mm-hmm. what would you stop happen, from happening that is happening today? Or both. doesn't matter. Oh, gosh. Um, I think the thing that, that keeps me up right now um, is the child tax credit. Okay. And what that did for families. Yeah. If I could restart that or we could restart guaranteed income, a floor of mm-hmm. income for families, a lot of the work that I do and a lot of the work that is done in other social service realms would not need to be done. Got it. Um, there's been a lot of work right now on providing low-income mothers with basic, you know, $500 a month for food, right? Mm-hmm. Um, everybody in the social service industry is hitting their head against a wall and saying, we didn't need to study this. I could have told you it would work. Exactly. Right? Um, so I would make sure families have the floor they need to feed, shelter, and clothe themselves. Well, there's so much. First of all, thank you. There's yeah. so much data about a healthy breakfast and mm-hmm. all these sort of healthy uh, um, uh, n- nourishment in the first, whatever, three, two, three, four years yep, of first life. thousand days. Literally sets that person on a path versus not. Mm-hmm. And the gateways in that path are irrevocably locked in yeah. and virtually impossible to change. So why yeah. we can't figure that out? Anyway, we could go on forever. But Corinne, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. You're the executive director and founder of the Greater DC Diaper Bank, but you knew that. But I want to thank you for <laughs> appearing on What's Working in Washington. Thank you. This was great. Behind What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Online content, Anna DeGraff. And that theme music you enjoy, 
performed by the Sunbathers. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.